Thank you so much, everyone. Um, thank you, Lord Ern, for having us at this beautiful castle. Thank you, Emma and Karen. What a privilege to speak. I'm actually not part of Karen's authorship, but we, uh, I consider Karen a friend, and I have written a book. Um, today I want to say that it's not about the book. It's about the person you come on the other side of writing a book. And I can't say that without telling you a little bit about my story, and I'll try and be as quick as I can. So I was born with a congenital facial defect, a preauricular sinus, and the results of this nasty little defect involved surgery. And my surgery didn't go to plan. I was left with a left-sided facial palsy, which continued through to my 40s. I'll tell you about, a bit about that in a moment. So I was also born into a dysfunctional family. Uh, my mother had a pretty traumatic family history, sexual violence. I suffered bullying. So by the time I left home at 20, uh, sorry, time I left home at 17 rather, I took the quickest route out of home and that was nursing. So I went nursing as a fractured young adult trying to discover what life was all about. In the background of that, about 15, I think, was probably when I first remember suicidal thoughts and a depression that continued right through the way of my life. So it's very apt that we're talking about mental health because it's a huge part of my story. Now, I went missing, and back in that day, mental health had a stigma because I knew what doctors wrote in patients' charts about people with mental health <coughs> diagnosis. So when a good friend and work colleague of mine, a GP, said to me, Tony, I think you have depression. I think you need to do something about it now rather than later. I said, no way in hell. No way in hell am I going to let that diagnosis be anywhere near me. In my 20s and 30s, I had lots of bad things happen. Sexual assault, domestic violence, divorce, childhood, wedlock, you name it, it happened. By the time I reached my 40s, whilst I was highly professional uh, working in health, I coordinated statewide clinical networks for the state government. That's high-level clinicians focused on process, policy change and better outcomes for surgical patients. Also did that for the maternity and neonatal um, network where we started to have those initial conversations about midwifery-led care that was implemented in the decades following that time. Into that environment, I had a day at work where someone said something to me and I can't even remember what it was, but I started crying and I couldn't stop and I stopped work. I was home for three days and I was still crying and it suddenly occurred to me that I should probably go and see a doctor about that. I had the most wonderful and amazing GP who listened to my story and actually sat me down. He listened. I felt like he was the first one that ever listened to what was going on in my brain. And he sat me down and said, Tony, you're not only physically exhausted, but your mind has had enough. You're entering a major depressive disorder. You need to stop working. You need to start and deal and heal with life. What life has thrown you? You need to try some medication and I need you to do it today. First wake-up call. 
into this black, dark environment. And I'm telling you the blackest, most horrible space that anyone, those of you that have been to that space will know what that feels like. There is no light. There is no hope. There is nothing you feel will get you out the other side. One of the first things I learnt was breath work. The psychologist said to me, Tony, all you need to do is focus on the next minute. All you have to do in that minute is breathe in and breathe out. You don't have to think about anything else but your breath. I would learn later that that is key to switching my brain from trauma and focusing back on the stillness of breath. Into that time, my daughter, um, into that time I was also preparing to get married to a man who I thought was the man of my dreams, the love of my life. Into that space and time, my daughter disclosed a history of sexual abuse at the hands of this man that I was about to marry. So I went from completely shattered to lower than shattered and I spent the next two years focused on keeping her alive and managing her suicidal attempts and my health took a back seat for a while. I'm going to skip forward to my uh, 50s, 10 years of that journey. I spent 10 years in self-discovery, learning self-care. I didn't know how to care for myself. Back then I didn't. I didn't know why my brain functioned the way it did. Again, Dr. Villas, absolutely, what happened to you? That's what it is. What happened to me was the reason that this was like that and probably a few other things as well. Uh, as I started to see the light at the end of the tunnel and came out the other side, people started to suggest that I needed to tell my story. Now, I'm an introvert. I'm quiet by nature. The thought of telling people the private stuff that went on in my life, I was not quite ready. So it mulled around in my brain for three years or so before I finally had the courage to do it. So in 2018, I made a decision to write the book. I sat down in July. I wrote until November. The book was published in January 2019. And I also made a decision to say yes in that year to everything that terrified me. And that, my friends, included a whole range of things, like speaking in public. So until I was 40, I smiled and laughed with my hand over my face. I would not take photos. There were very few images of me. It wasn't until I started that journey in my 40s that my face started to actually show signs of healing. So when I went to visit a neurosurgeon, he said to me, whatever you're doing, don't stop, because the nerves and the muscles in the left side of your face are starting to regenerate. Now, I don't think that they're perfectly there yet, but... That's part of who I am. I figure that if I can show up as my imperfect self, then I give others permission to do the same. And if I show up as completely vulnerably as I can, that gives each and every one of you to do the same thing. And by God, we need more conversations about mental health and the struggle of mental health and how debilitating it is and that it is manageable that there is light, there is support out there. So when I say that it's not about the book, it's about the person you become on the other side of that book. And what that has led to, what that mindset has led to, is I now have two of my own shows 
the author and artist hour and Everyday Business. My company is called Everyday Women's Business. I have co-hosted series of shows that I collaborate with predominantly female entrepreneurs, although there's some amazing men out there as well. And in July, when I get back from Ireland, we'll be launching Everyday Women's Network, which is global TV network, think Oprah, Netflix, that sort of thing. So I guess my message in two short words is don't ever give up on yourself because if I'd given up on myself, I wouldn't be here having the privilege of talking to each and every one of you today. And that said, if any of you have any questions about any of the points in my journey, particularly around uh, guiding children through uh, trauma and sexual abuse and your own recovery, I'm an open book. I'm sorry, I've been a bit longer. Thank you, Karen. Thank you. Thank you.